When I walked into the forest today, I entered with my eyes. I wanted to see colors, textures, light and shadow, movement, lines, curves. As a nature photographer, those are the things I've trained myself to look for. At first, I sought big, imposing things. Towering trunks of trees reaching for sips of sunshine, fallen trunks slowly dissolving into the forest floor, covered with a tapestry of lichen and fungus and mosses and ferns and an army of beetles, ants, slugs, and snails, all running on mysterious missions of who knows what. At some point, driven by some unidentifiable trigger, I moved into the realm that drives me, the world of small things, things that passers-by don't typically see, things that require me to get down low, face-to-face with their world. This is belly time. Many years ago, when I was a professional scuba diver, I often found myself south of San Francisco on weekends in Monterey teaching scuba classes. At the end of my day of teaching, I would usually disappear with my best friend Dennis to Otter Cove, a little-known place that few divers knew about. We would slip into the water, make our way out to the kelp forests in 12-meter water, and relax. Dennis would go one way, I would go another. My favorite activity on those purposeless dives was to find a flat, sandy area amidst the towering kelp, settle myself face down on the bottom, rest my chin on my hands, and watch. Within a couple of minutes, the resonant critters would get past the rudeness of my intrusion and continue about their business of crawling about on the bottom, doing whatever their unknown lives required them to do. And me? I just observed. Relax and watch. At that depth, I had enough air to stay on the bottom for a couple of hours. In fact, on one dive, I was lying on the bottom, completely relaxed, when Dennis suddenly shook my shoulder. I had fallen asleep on the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. My goal today was to find a place off the trail that wasn't too muddy. Lie down and watch as life went by in places most of us never pay attention to. This secret world displayed itself in marvelous ways. Red efts, the gentle, delicate young of newts, stiff-walked slowly by. Gangs of slugs surrounded and devoured tiny, thumbtack-sized mushrooms, a slugfest of epic proportions. Ants ran their express routes, stopping to rub antennae, the tetramorium equivalent of texting. At times, these ants gathered in great masses at the base of trees, I once placed a tiny contact mic in the middle of one of those masses and listened as they stridulated, squeaking and chattering mysteriously. At midday, when I had seen all that I could see from my ground-level view, I rose, and as I returned to the truck to collect my audio kit, I went tactile. I didn't want to see. I wanted to feel. I ran my hands over the reticulated trunks of great pine trees. I scooped a handful of gritty mud from the quaking bog, marveling at its texture, inhaling deeply its fecundity before washing it from my hands in the chattering stream that crossed the path and emptied into the pond. 
I felt the softness of moss, the leathery stuff of folios lichens, the soft bumpiness of a toad hidden beneath the fern. I hugged a tree, pressed my face against the topographic map of its chest. I rubbed a crabapple against my lips, felt its slickness bit into its profound acidity. I collected my audio gear from the truck, hoisted the backpack onto my shoulders, and turned on the recorder, placing the headphones on my head and heading back into the forest. The sun was now setting and the woods were beginning to darken. Night would fall soon. High in the canopy, a slight breeze used the leaves as a sail, a natural lever point to move great ponderous trees. Two of them had grown into each other's spaces. They groaned and creaked and complained as they rubbed against each other, one trying to direct the movement of the other. Both won, both lost, arboreal tug-of-war. Actually, I was the winner because I came away with this. Somewhere overhead, a cry rang out, a crow warning of my presence. Another responded far away, taking note of the interloper and dismissing me as irrelevant. The closer bird cawed a few more times, then took to grumbling as only crows can, an old man complaining about kids running through his garden. I moved steadily toward the pond, snaking my way across a quaking bog, pushing through a hemlock bramble. I approached the cattail thatch that defines the shoreline of the pond. Technically, it isn't a pond, it's a bog. It's water the color of strong tea. Close to shore, the town has built rustic bleachers that overlook the pond, although at this late hour there isn't much activity other than a few red-winged blackbirds in the reeds. I wore chest-high waders because my next stop would have me thigh-deep in that tea-colored water. Leaving my backpack under the bleachers, but with my recorder bag over my shoulder, I balanced myself in the bog with a branch that I found lying in a bed of trillium and waded in. Once the water had risen to just above my knees, I zipped open a pocket in the bag and pulled out a small hydrophone connected to 15 meters of waterproof cable. Attaching a heavy fishing weight to it, I plugged the mic into the recorder, then tossed it into deeper water. In my headphones, I heard it gurgle as it sank, then the telltale crystalline sounds of an old-fashioned glass wind chime as it hit bottom. It went silent for a bit, and then magic. My ears lit up with the biological cacophony of the countless invertebrates that live below the surface. Here, above the water, things were quiet except for a dove calling in the gloaming and the occasional cheer of a blackbird. But below, a serious sonic mystery played out, clicking, scraping, burping, squirting, and what sounded like radio static all punctuated with the occasional frog call from above. These were the sounds of crayfish, whirligig beetles, some fish, and oxygen bubbles escaping from aquatic plants. 
It reminded me of my childhood when I used to lie in bed at night with my little shortwave radio on my chest, an earphone in my ear, slowly turning the tuning dial, pulling in mysterious radio signals from all over the globe in languages that I loved to hear but couldn't begin to understand. I recorded this symphony for a half hour, but it was close to dark now, so I fished a headlamp out of my bag and walked carefully back to dry land, my walking stick turning me into a human tripod. Back at the bleachers, I put down my kit and peeled off the rubber waders. Pulling my backpack from underneath, I opened it and retrieved a microphone stand and a stereo mic kit. Connecting it to the recorder, I turned it to face the reed bed at the edge of the pond where the spring peepers had begun their evening chorus. This sound always makes me think of the great wildlife biologist Archie Carr, champion of many things, but especially reptiles and amphibians, who wrote, I have always liked frogs. I like the looks of frogs and their outlook, especially the way they gather together on warm nights and sing about sex. All these tiny frogs, each the size of my thumbnail, doing exactly that. Again, I recorded for a bit, but the dark forest behind me beckoned, so I packed up the gear, put the backpack on my shoulders, and headed toward the truck. I came to the walkway that crosses the wetland, a wooden path mere inches above the water that sounds like the world's largest xylophone. I caught myself walking to a catchy rhythm in my head, the hollow boom of the walkway playing the song's percussion. Just as I arrived at the end of the walkway, a sound caught my ear. A barred owl, a common bird in these woods, but a treat, nonetheless. Who cooks for you? Who cooks for you, too? As I stood and listened, the owl's calls blending seamlessly with the peepers and toads and wood frogs and morning doves, I noticed that the plant growing to my right was Mintha canadensis, American wild mint. I chewed on a leaf before drinking from my water bottle. The result was a rush of far arctic that made me gasp. This had been a good day from a recording perspective, but it had also been a good day from the point of view of all of my senses. I had been deliberate today. I got down on my belly to see the things that usually go unnoticed. I felt the texture and flow of bark and mud and leaves. I smelled the wild smell of mud and pond, of stream and flower. I tasted sour apple and the rush of wild mint, and as I listened, with deliberate intent, to the myriad voices of the natural world, voices that have so very much to say, if we'll only listen. This has been a good day. <laughs>